0: Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this Meet the Expert episode, Change Management Review Editor-in-Chief, Teresa Moulton, interviews Jamie Shapiro, founder and CEO of Connected EC, and the best-selling author of Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out. Jamie shares with us her vision
1: of bringing a new form of full-body coaching to people in the business world. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Change Management Review podcast with Jamie Shapiro. Uh, Jamie is the founder and CEO of Connected EC, and I'm Teresa Moulton, editor-in-chief of Change Management Review. Let me tell you a little bit about Jamie. Jamie Shapiro is a leading authority on connecting leadership performance and well-being and the best-selling author of Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out. Having experienced burnout in the corporate world, she understands the incredible pressure we face in our lives and the difficulty in staying connected to professional and personal goals in demanding environments. Through her corporate career, she realized that toll that high pressure, stressful, and demanding roles can take. She left the corporate world with a mission to make changes for people and organizations. Jamie's vision is to bring a new form of full-body coaching to people in the business world. Her company, Connected EC, helps people develop a keen awareness of how both their health and mindset have an effect on their capacity to reliably tap into their capabilities. Jamie has brought executive coaching and well-being together to give people a new approach to leadership health, and outstanding personal and professional and organizational performance. Jamie has been coaching and developing high-performing teams since 1998 in executive roles with large-scale corporate companies and now externally. She is helping executives and teams within leading companies and organizations, including Comcast, GE, and Magellan Health. Jamie has an MBA and a Master's of Information Technology and is certified as both an executive coach, coach, and a nutritionist. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jamie Shapiro.
0: Hi, so nice to be here, Teresa. Thanks for having me today.
1: Yeah, very excited to have you today. Um, You know, it's so intriguing for me to speak with you because um, being a change management consultant myself for 25 years, um, you know, the one thing that always has, uh, I think, been a problem even for consultants on doing this work is, um, you know, retaining a state of well-being on, in the intensity of the work they do, never mind where our clients are, you know, yeah. so so this is really great. Mm. Thank you. Okay, so, you know, let's just dive right into it, Jamie. Um, you talk about a foundation of well-being and leadership in your book, and what impact does that have in times of change?
0: yeah that's that's a great question teresa it's interesting i think we don't think about well-being very often when we think about um, change resiliency Mm -hmm. and i believe it has everything to do with our capacity for change i think well-being is a foundation to be more resilient and if we don't have that foundation even small changes can feel incredibly overwhelming when we are really focused on our well being it allows us to handle a lot more pressure and change, and it truly builds our capacity for resiliency
1: yeah, I can see how that would that would be really important um, One of the questions that I had was you know what would you include in a foundation of well being
0: yeah it's there are so many different aspects of well being, and I really separated it into four categories. And as overused as these four categories are, I still think they're really important. So I think about body physical resiliency, um, mental, you know, that intellectual and mental resiliency
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and well being. And then I also think about emotional heart, that well being. And then finally, I talk about the spirit category. And people ask me a lot about, um, am I talking about spirituality? Am I talking about religion? But I'm really talking about what connects you to something greater than you, whether that's your environment, your community, whether that's a practice of meditation or a religious or spiritual practice, I really do believe that's a pillar of well-being as well. So I think you can break those down in so many different ways, but that's how I typically break down those four categories of well-being and really incorporate all the other aspects under those.
1: Okay, okay. that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things I've been wondering actually in preparing for this interview is since you've been doing this work since 1998, um, what changes in uh, the receptivity have you seen in corporate America to having well being coaching be linked to actual change work?
0: Oh, such a great question. So I will tell you, when I started my company, Connected EC, about a decade ago, I honestly felt like I was pushing a boulder uphill um, and trying to get people to connect the dots between leadership and change and well-being being being a foundational principle and Practice as part of leadership and change resiliency. And people didn't know what bucket to put me in. It was mm-hmm. constantly uh, oh, are you just a health coach? Are you a well being coach? Because right. if that's what you are, we're going to put you in this bucket. If you're a leadership development specialist, we're going to put you in this bucket. If you're a change management specialist, we're going to put you in this bucket. And the more I talked about connecting the dots between leadership and well-being, and well-being truly being a foundation not only for our leadership but our resiliency and our capacity for change, um, it was really it was hard. I, I will mm. tell you that the first three years, speaking a lot about connecting those dots, I will see what I've seen over the last, especially five years is this is an integrated conversation now. And Mm -hmm. people are really connecting the dots and recognizing that this whole approach, what I call a full body approach to leadership and change, is really, really essential for us to be at our peak performance in these areas. So while it felt like pushing a boulder uphill when I first started, I do feel like it's more like chasing the boulder downhill now that more and more companies are thinking about this and talking about this and integrating this into the corporate space.
1: Yeah. Good. Well, that's good. I know for me as um, a change management consultant on, you know, large scale projects, I had to do um, a lot of work with the the entire project team when it was, you know, as large as 60 people back in the client server days and as small as, um, you know, maybe five or six people, um, you know, on different process projects or whatever it was. And, and the, the way I used to sneak in well being was to sneak it into the team meetings and make it part of the team culture. So I'd show up at the team meeting with like one of those little uh, Walmart uh, fountains that you can plug yeah. into the wall, you know, some aromatherapy. I'd start passing around the Body Shop mint, um, Love that. you know, the Body Shop mint rollers for the for aromatherapy for your temples or whatever it was. I was like, okay, you guys need like a timeout, so we're taking 25 minutes of this meeting and it's a timeout. And I hand out like um, herbal tea or whatever. <laughs>
0: I love it. That's awesome.
1: We had to jam it in there because people didn't want to talk about it.
0: No, it was a very off-limits topic for a long, long time. Um, We thought we couldn't have the conversation. And I'm so happy to say that what I'm experiencing with the companies that I work with is they want to have the conversation and they want it integrated now. And mm. I would say, you know, that word resiliency, that was not something we talked about often, I feel like 10 years ago. And now we are talking about change resiliency quite a bit. And while I, I do think it's a little bit elusive, kind of like balance, it needs to be deconstructed to understand how we built it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're talking about it more and more now.
1: Yes. Yes. So as you're working with your clients, um, what are some of the challenges that they typically have, you know, in kind of like large buckets? What are some of the, you know, challenges that you're helping them work through from a well-being perspective?
0: So I'd say the the thing I hear the most and that I feel like in corporate America, we wear as a badge of honor these days is the I'm busy button. Mm. Like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Okay, we're all busy, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so, I don't care if you're in corporate America, if you're in business somewhere else in the world, if you're a parent and a stay at home parent, like we're all full, right? right? We all have a lot going on in our life. And so, one of the biggest shifts I help people make is to stop thinking about well being in the category of time and Mm -hmm. think about it in the category of energy. So time Mm. is a limited resource, and they're only 24 hours a day, and we all have them pretty packed these days. Mm -hmm. So how do we stop thinking about work-life balance or work-life integration as a time-constrained thing and start thinking about energy and how we replenish energy on a regular basis and recognize that if we have all our energy going out and not enough energy going Mm. in, we are going to burn out. If we have all our energy going out and not enough energy going in and that next change happens, what happens? We don't have the capacity for it. So how do we make sure that we're replenishing on a regular basis? And that's a shift that I really hope people make when we talk about work-life balance or when we talk about work-life integration or we talk about anything around the category of well-being, how do we start getting energy back in? And in those four categories that we talked about, mind, body, heart, and spirit, how do we get energy back in? And that looks different for every individual. I remember when I was um, back in working in corporate America, I was told all the time that I needed to have more like work-life balance. I'm like, great, where do I get there? Where do I sign up for that? I am ready. Um, but no one could give me the information of how I did that. So that was one of the first things I did when I started my practice is really started breaking that down and thinking about how do we get energy back in? How do we create a framework for people to think about that and recognize that it's different for each individual? What brings you energy is different than what brings me energy. So how do we start creating an individual roadmap to our own well-being and getting energy back in?
1: wow, I really like that. I like the shift from focus on time to focus on, you know, energy coming in. Um, that's, that's pretty fundamental for people. I don't think they would think about it this way.
0: I, I agree. And I also challenge everyone to stop saying when people ask how you're doing, that you're busy. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, that is just like, it used to be, how are you doing? Good, right? Like, that was our quick right. response. But now it's, how are you doing? Oh, busy. Right. Okay. Let's, can we think of other words to use and actually <laughs> yeah. get that question a little bit more, uh, honestly, and a little more, uh, with some depth in it.
1: So. Yeah. Great. That makes sense. Otherwise uh, I'm busy is kind of like talk to the hand. Yes. It just shuts people right out. <laughs> so, um, what aspects of change do you think we need to talk more about in business and what do you think is overlooked?
0: I think that we talk a lot about the tasks and the execution of change. Mm -hmm. I don't think we talk a lot about the emotional and psychological impacts of change. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to bring them to the surface a whole lot more and start having regular conversations about it. And what I mean by that is our brains are not wired for change. I mean, Mm -hmm. we still have caveman brains and we are not wired for change. And so Mm -hmm. that means that no matter What change we're going through, big or small, our brain is going to try and keep us in our comfort zone as that first reaction, Mm -hmm. and we don't talk enough about that. We don't talk about that we have to pass through an edge as we go from our comfort zone um, to out of our comfort zone, or the known to the unknown. Then our brains aren't quite wired for that, so Mm. we need to bring, I think, some awareness and some realism to that conversation and talk about that transparently. The other thing I don't think we talk enough about is the emotional change curve um, that we all experience in change. And the first step that we go through emotionally when we are Mm -hmm. faced with change, big or small, is we resist and then Mm -hmm. we have an emotional response. And sometimes that emotional response lasts a second, sometimes it lasts a week, sometimes it lasts much longer than that but we don't give enough space for those emotions to come through. We try and block them or compartmentalize them, or we make people wrong in our organizations for having them, where we really just need them to have some space to go through it so that they can get to that acceptance and that commitment.
1: Yeah, you know, in um, in my experience facilitating change, Um, The change acceptance curve usually comes through in either an executive presentation, maybe a quick kickoff meeting, or in some you know, training on change management, but then it doesn't get rewoven into the rest of the change activities. And I think without bringing that conversation through all of the activities so that people can say where they are now and what they're experiencing now versus just looking at the thing up front and, or, you know, not really relating to it, um, you know there's there is a lot of there is a lot of room for that conversation to happen and i think it's important you know from a well-being perspective as you're pointing out that we actually create that space uh to have those conversations and um and pay attention to the way that we facilitate change all the way across the organization up and down
0: yeah and you and it's it's two things in my mind number one is as you said, create the space for the conversation and then permission. Mm -hmm. We do not give permission for people to process change. Mm -hmm. We have very unrealistic expectations. And one of the things that I see happen often is that we expect people to change so quickly Mm -hmm. and we don't give them the space or the permission to process
1: through it. Mm Right. Right. Now, how do you create that space with some of your executive clients? So with
0: the executive groups I work with, one of the main points I drive home is that most of the time, executive teams have a lot longer to process the change Mm -hmm. before it is rolled out to an organization. Right. So one of the things that I really coach my leaders to think about is, how do I, as the leader, be patient, right? Mm -hmm. How do I be willing to have the conversation around how people are feeling, what they're thinking around a change versus here's the change, I expect you to execute it, go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think that people are taking too long Mm -hmm. um, to adopt a change when we don't recognize as the leadership team, we've had six months to think about this change, to get used to it. We went through our emotional change curve six months ago and then we implement the change and we just expect people to get on board. So what I'm really coaching leaders to think about is not only how do you recognize that you've been through the change curve, but how do you create the space and permission for everyone to go through that throughout the organization? How do we communicate in an effective way that gets people ready for it, that gives them time? Um, Sometimes we drop change on people and then we expect it to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. How do we get more thoughtful in our communication and how we're communicating and how we're doing it early and often Mm -hmm. so that people can get ready for whatever change is happening?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think with executives, your point about, you know, them going through their change curve faster or sooner, probably, yeah, both, um, then the rest of the organization is really well said. And what I find too is if as the executives go through that change curve before the rest of the organization and say it's a reorg, but they're not being reorg, just the people under them are being reorged, then they get comfortable because, oh, I'm not impacted. So what they're focusing on for change is now doing it to the rest of the organization versus facilitating the space to have those conversations. Yes.
0: The other thing that I think, especially in fast-paced industries that I've um, worked with, there is a profile type, and I'll put this in the profile type of what I call tradition holders, right? People Mm -hmm. who are a little bit slower to change, that are very um, focused on how we did things before and bring that history and bring that information. I don't think that is a profile type that's really honored and celebrated enough in Mm fast-paced industries. I agree. If we gave those people a little more space and time to talk and share their perspective we learn a lot about what we've done in the past that's really worked and we wouldn't be reinventing for the sake of reinventing which some times we do and we forget our history and where we've come from and what we need to do and what we need to keep in place that's actually working and so that is a part of the organization that i really encourage my leaders to create more conversation around like what have we done that's worked in the past before we jump into this
1: next step? Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So um, what is one trap that you see leadership fall into and change? Uh, I know we talked about, you know, the curve and them coming up the curve first. Mm-hmm. Is there something else that you, you've discovered comes up as a common challenge? I think there are a couple
0: common challenges that I see a couple that I've already touched on. Yes. Impatience. That is a common challenge, Mm -hmm. right? I've gone through it. Um, I have a tendency to be able to change quickly and I don't mean I I just mean as the leader, they have a tendency to be able to change quickly. And so their impatience is Mm -hmm. there. Impatience actually creates more resistance instead of acceptance. Yeah. Um, Number two, I think there's an issue with recognizing that if we don't have a foundation of true well-being, one more change can really break an organization. And so we need to focus more on how do we create that foundation of mm-hmm. well-being? How do we make sure people have capacity? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really important as well. Um, you know, there's, there's also what I would say besides that piece there's also the trap that we don't create the space for what we talked about emotionally for people to process Mm. um and and i mean that from you know as we talked about right there is this emotional part of change but i also think we don't honor people that may be in that category of tradition holder right Mm. we don't create the conversation for them to really hear their perspective and to make sure we're acknowledging that perspective and learning Uh that perspective. And a lot of times when I'm working with leadership teams, I will ask them, you know, what category do you think you're in? Are you a leaper, someone who just jumps into change as fast as possible? Are you somebody who builds bridges and really understands that quick change mentality? Or are you a tradition holder really looking at, previous processes being really thoughtful about the change and making sure that you're taking steps in the right direction and most of the teams i work with will put themselves in that libra category Mm. and i ask them so how are you taking care of the people who are not in that category Mm. and they're not and a lot of times that's a wake up for them to go oh yeah, we are not caring for that side of the organization. And when you don't care for a side of an organization, what happens is that resistance builds. Right. And so I think that is a huge overlooked piece of change management.
1: I agree. I think so too. So we're about out of time. Is there anything, oh. I know it went by <laughs> so fast. So um, <laughs> is there any, you know what, Anything you want to uh, leave us with? Um, I, know, I know, I'd i love to get like one of the insights that you'd like to leave us with. And I also wanna make sure people have the title and location to, to, of your book.
0: Oh, thank you. So my book is called Brilliant. Um, and you can get not only the book, but all of these free resources on our website, which is connectedec.com. And the energy worksheet that I was referring to—I didn't say it was a worksheet, but we do have a worksheet on how to think about energy versus time oh, and nice. how to get energy back into your life every single day. So we have that, and tons and tons of leadership and well-being resources out on that um, website. So please, you don't even have to buy the book; you can just download the free resources, and that was why I wrote the book is really to be able to give away as much as possible around our methodology and information and things that we've really seen work in connecting the dots between leadership and
1: well-being. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jamie. It's been a wonderful conversation.
0: Uh, I agree. It's been wonderful getting to talk with you.
1: Yeah. So um, we'll be in touch and hopefully we'll have you back again soon.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this Meet the Expert episode of the Change Management Review Podcast with Therese Moulton, Editor-in-Chief of the Change Management Review, and Jamie Shapiro. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.